You're listening to the Nicene Creed, a Lenten podcast series from Covenant Shreveport, a church on a mission to declare and demonstrate the gospel in all of life. Learn more about us at covenantshreveport.org. Hey friends, welcome to the Nicene Creed. My name's Weston Brown. This is our podcast exploring the history and content of the historic Christian faith statement called the Nicene Creed. And we begin each episode by reading that creed, and I hope you'll read it aloud with us. Find a link to the text of the creed in our show notes. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is, seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, With the Father and the Son, He is worshipped and glorified. He is spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Today we're going to be wrapping up the center section of the Creed, specifically looking at these lines. For our sake... He was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. Before we get into all of this, though, take a moment to just appreciate how much the creed says about Christ. I mean, it gets pretty detailed, especially when compared to the first section about God the Father. Remember, the creed was initially created not just to be a statement of Orthodox Trinitarianism, but also to refute the claim made by Arius and others that Jesus was not of the same being as God, but was instead created by God. So, in a sense, the creed writers are trying to cover all their bases as it relates to Jesus. The section we're looking at today, though, while certainly not unimportant, you could argue is a bit boilerplate in that it is very similar to the wording of the Apostles' Creed, which predated the Council of Nicaea. If you want to read the Apostles' Creed, you can also find that at the link in our show notes. Here's what the Apostles' Creed says. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, 
died and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. Very similar. So let's talk about some of the nuance and language that the Nicene Creed brings to talking about Christ. First, and most significantly, the Nicene Creed brings the word homoousios into the mix. As we've talked about in previous episodes, that Greek word means something like of the same being. So in the first part of this section about Christ, the emphasis is on how the Father and the Son are the same. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, of one being with the Father, homoousios. This, as we've said before, is a direct response to Arian teaching, but it forms the foundation of Nicene Christology, or the Nicene view of Christ. So, this is perhaps the most striking difference between the two creeds. From there, the Nicene Creed digs into some of the underlying reasons why Jesus came. We saw this last week when we looked at the line, For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. But that language continues today with, For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. So, the Creed is saying that human beings are the primary reason why Jesus became incarnate. He came for our sake, so that we might be saved, and thus, it was for our sake that he was crucified. Now, there are many extenuating effects of Jesus' coming, but the creed is reminding us of Christ's own words in John 3.17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So with this in mind, if anybody tells you that Jesus actually came for some other purpose altogether, they're not only wrong creedily, they're wrong biblically. Next, we get an accounting of the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Christ. And this is something that both the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed emphasize. And there are a few points to consider here. First, this statement is historically rooted. Both creeds mention Pontius Pilate. And the intention here is certainly not to elevate Pilate to some undue place of prominence, but rather to root the crucifixion of Jesus in an actual moment in time. Outside of his interaction with Jesus, Pilate is ultimately a very minor and forgettable figure within the history of the Roman Empire. The empire was enormous, and Pilate was a governor of a very small section, the region of Judea, and he had limited power. But he is a figure that is historically recorded even outside of the pages of Scripture. There is evidence of Pilate in the historical writings of the Jewish historians Philo and Josephus, as well as the famous Roman historian Tacitus. But equally compelling, we still have artifacts from Judea in the time of Pilate that point to his existence. All this to say, by the 4th century, there were already many people who questioned whether or not Jesus had actually lived, or if this was all myth. 
But connecting him and his death to Pilate validates it as an actual historical event because it's recorded even outside of the Gospels. Next, both creeds want to drive home the fact that Jesus actually died and actually physically rose from the dead. Again, not long after the time of Christ, many rumors and conjectures about the resurrection started to circulate. This continues to this day. For example, one popular notion is known as the swoon hypothesis, which says that Jesus didn't actually die on the cross, but instead he, like, passed out and was somehow taken for being dead by the experienced Roman executioners, and then he later revived in the tomb, somehow rolled away a massive stone, walked free, and fully recovered from the wounds of crucifixion. The creed writers want us to be very clear on the fact that Jesus died an actual human death. In the Apostles' Creed, it even says, he descended to the dead, which is a bit of a controversial line. Earlier versions of the Apostles' Creed say, he descended into hell. I think the creed writers were primarily trying to emphasize the completeness of Jesus' death, that he not only died in a physical, human sense, but that he also went to the place of the dead in a spiritual sense. The word used here is the word Hades, which would have simply meant the place of the departed, not what we might think of as hell, a place controlled by the devil. Jesus referred to that place as Gehenna. This also might have been an attempt to explain a somewhat mysterious verse in 1 Peter 3, which says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, which is a beautiful statement about the substitutionary atonement of Christ. It says he's being put to death in the flesh, but also made alive in the spirit. And then verse 19 of 1 Peter 3 says, Alive in the spirit in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey. Now, it's not entirely clear who the spirits in prison are mentioned by Peter. And unfortunately, whole doctrines have been formed around this mysterious verse. In one fantastical account, Jesus leads armies of angels in battle in hell against the forces of evil. But that is all conjecture and fiction and is in no way supported by the scriptures. The biblical reality is that we actually know very little about what was going on in the time period between Jesus' death and resurrection. And I don't think the creed writers were trying to concoct a narrative or explain that time period so much as they were attempting to refute any false claims that Jesus had in fact never actually died. Both creeds mention that Jesus rose again on the third day. The Nicene Creed inserts the fact that this was in accordance with the scriptures, which is actually a direct quote from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 4. Both creeds also tell us that Jesus ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father and that he will come again to judge the living and the dead. Notice that this is just about the extent of the creed's explanation of eschatology, or the end times. 
It's simply that Jesus will return and he will judge all people, both living and dead, at that point. Finally, another addition to the Nicene Creed is that his kingdom will have no end. And again, this is a direct quote from the scriptures. The angel Gabriel tells the Virgin Mary in Luke chapter 1, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Join us next time as we explore the continued rise of Arianism in the 4th century. Even after the Council of Nicaea denounced the teaching, it continued to spread and even found favor with a new emperor.